welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Franklin Cardicelli back on the show. What's going on, Franklin? How you doing, man? Brendan, you know, you call me Franklin. That's weird, man. I never hear you call me Franklin. I don't know if I've ever done that. No, it's very strange having a name, Frank, because there's Frankie, Franklin. People always ask what I prefer, but, you know, I put Franklin because it seems professional, even though I go by Frankie. But hearing you say that just makes me feel sophisticated i don't know i'm doing good though man I'm i doing typed good. in frankie to send you the link and it didn't pop up and i was like all right i have to type franklin i've thought about changing it on twitter not that anyone gives a damn about this but i'm just saying i thought about changing it just because i don't know franklin just makes it seem so like i'm like i'm i don't know 1910s or something but what do you hear most often frankie I and mean, my, my whole oh. life I've been, I've been frankie and people that know me call me that and i'd say that when i meet people but again i'm in my 20s and when I'm in my 40s, I probably can't go by that. But for now, I mean, do people call you anything different? Like, or is it just Brendan? Do people call you Brendo? Or I know people Brando. call you Brandon. Wow. People, people call you Brandon a lot. Yeah, Brandon is actually probably what I hear more often than Brendan. And that's that's not even your name. It's not. The it's Starbucks not. place just near me finally learned my name um, or the right way to spell it. Did I you make definitely a, like my coffee. Did you make a scene about it? No, I did not. It's what happens is I do the mobile orders that already has my name pre-written when it prints on their machines. Gotcha. So they slowly learned it that way. Well, yeah. at least they, at this least was they a learned. planned segment, just so everybody knows. <laughs> at least they learned. Yeah, we're delaying because we don't want to talk about the longest playoff drought in NBA history. It's kind of fitting. <laughs> it's tough, Frank. You and I were at the game last night against the Golden State Warriors. Um, it might have been a Golden State Warriors home game. I, I mean, I guess that's unfair. It was like a split crowd. It's not like there was um, nothing for Sacramento. Yeah, I mean, that's the way it usually goes. People here know how it goes. Lakers, Warriors, it's, I mean, the Bulls, weirdly. I was going to, mm-hmm. I was. I thought that was the only two. The Bulls game was kind of crazy how many fans were here. But it's, it's. we see a lot in Sacramento when you have a losing team. It's it's, it's split with the fans. And it's kind of like when I went to an A's game. And I'm a Yankees fan. And, and if you go to the Coliseum for an Oakland A's game for any team on any given night, it's probably pretty split. When, when you lose games, you you lose you lose some attendance ship. So um attendance. I don't think attendance ship is a word. But. And you went to an A's game as a Yankees fan, huh? I did openly admitting you're part of the problem. I I I, I am part of the problem. Uh they <laughs> might not be coming to Oakland anymore soon though, because the A's could be relocating, which <laughs> which Kings fans know about how scary that is. But um no, last night the the environment was I couldn't really appreciate it because of how bad the game was for most of the night it just was not a fun game at all until probably the end of the third early fourth and the kings won that run but um it was kind of a a a stinker of a game for one of the larger crowds of the year did you kind of feel the same way i definitely did i mean i thought that it was yeah entertaining for that third quarter that you kind of talked about but even then the entire time you're like they're not fully gonna bring it back right and then they actually got it to seven at one point, I started to believe, and then sure enough, a couple turnovers and bad shots, and Golden State hits a couple on the other end, and it's gone again. But I'm definitely with you for most of it. Like You and I sit right next to each other. Um, I felt pretty checked out, for sure, and it was probably pretty apparent. It was just a tough watch, man. I mean, at some point, we're talking about a Bielitsa triple-double watch, <laughs> and I think that says enough about how the night went. Um it was a tough one. I will say the refs were getting screamed at for from both sides. In I this mean, one. There, how many foul calls? There was fifteen foul calls on the Kings, and then there was 
15 or no, I'm sorry, 28 foul calls on the Warriors. Ooh. And I think I was looking at the wrong column. No, 15 on the Kings. That's a lot of that's a lot of whistles on the, on the Warriors. So I can understand the Warrior fans uh, getting getting into it. And of course, Draymond Green gets a tech, get fouls out the the trifecta as far as on court explosion, six fouls, technical foul. So that was fun. Um, but yeah, there's a lot. Of... I learned that they showed the clapping on the broadcast when Draymond oh, yeah. fouls out, and he's clapping at the ref. Thought that yeah. was a hilarious moment. It, it's classic Draymond, you know. Yeah. But like you said, I, I also was checked out it, between the whistles and I don't know. It, the Kings shot, what, 30%, I think, from the field? What they finish at? They finished yeah, 38. at 38% and 21% from three. I mean, it was miserable. It was miserable. Um, I'm sure we're going to talk about, you know, HB and Damian, unless you want to talk about, about, I mean, did you see anything last night as far as a positive? I mean, last night we were sitting there and I think you pointed out when, when the, the double-double happened for HB. And I said, you know, he has 18 on 17 points. That's not ideal. And that's not characteristic of HB. But is there any positives from last night you you were actually taking? No. Like, <laughs> that we don't have to talk about the play-in anymore. That's a positive. Um, I mean, I guess, like, D. Jones is being consistent with what he's doing. It's 35 minutes a night, but 17, 6... Um, no block. I swear there's at least one block that I remember, but maybe it was a foul or something and I'm misremembering. They might have He's taken it away. Consistent. Yeah. Um, I think Davion, I kind of asked Alvin post game of what he's seeing with him because it's the second game in a row that Damion's had a rough shooting game. And he's like, you know, well, we're just asking him to do a lot. He's defending the best guy on the other end. He, and then we're asking him to get 20 and 10 and he's playing the most minutes on the team getting up the most shots he didn't in this one Harrison topped him actually but yeah I I thought that that makes sense and you're seeing a little bit more of like why there's more to it than maybe the five games four games that we saw of Davion going crazy I love it for what it means for his potential I think that there is some real flashes of like him getting creation or the finishing around the rim just how well and explosive he's been around the rim has been kind of eye-opening for me, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, you know, De'Aaron has his nights off, but maybe he's not the best example of consistency. Like, we could use Sabonis, you know, who is just doing it every single night. And I think that's the difference between, like, a good and great player is consistency. And not trying to just hammer on Davion when he has two bad games after he had four or five that I didn't praise him maybe as much as he deserved. But I, I think that it's interesting in what was a big game. And I think we've seen Davion have fire against Golden State earlier this year because, you know, team that uh, picked right before he went to Sacramento and understanding is there's a little bit of uh, a rivalry there for Davion probably with all that. But yeah, I mean, that's just me looking for something to talk about in this game because most of it had to do with the play-in. Was there anything for you? No, I mean, I'm looking back at Davion's night, and again, I I was fairly checked out for probably the the, the whole first half. I checked in for the, the that end of the third, early fourth, and I noticed that you know Davion was doing a good job of creating offense, uh, and I, I didn't realize he'd finished with nine assists and only two turnovers. So that's a good bounce back from 10 assists, which was a career high for him against Houston, but the seven turnovers was not great. I think that was also a career high for him. So um, looking at his, I mean, that's, that's seven straight games with at least seven assists. That's, that's kind of crazy. And yeah. 
I'd have to look it up. I don't know if any, I don't know what the last Kings player, I mean, I'm guessing Fox has done it before and, and Ty, I know he probably did it. Rondo. I mean, not many Kings guards have done that though. The, the consistency of, like you mentioned, consistency, this is consistent playmaking. And I don't know if this is sustainable in an offense with De'Aaron Fox. It actually a hundred percent is not sustainable in an offense with De'Aaron Fox. Cause we saw it with Ty and, and I don't know if Davion and that's a whole number conversation between can Davion and Fox coexist in a backcourt, but um, on his own, seeing that Davion can carry the load. And even if he's not knocking down shots, like he was over that five game stretch, um, you know, last night he only took 11 shots. That's, that's the least amount of shots he's taken in almost a month. I mean, he, he was four of 11, which isn't great. Um, only took one three pointer. So, I'm I'm still encouraged by what we're seeing from Davion, and I I think it's a huge plus going into the offseason that we know from his past month of play what he's capable of, and I I'm not sure what the Kings are planning on doing with him if he's going to start next to Fox in, in the backcourt, if he's going to be a six man off the bench next season, or if the Kings are saying, hey, this this kid's really upping his value, and if they can get a top five six pick. I wonder what kind of package Davion Rashawn and that pick could get you or, or, or Davion holiday in the pick. I mean, there, there's a lot of possibilities they can go. Um, I'm not saying that the Kings should look to trade Davion mind you, but it's just, it's, it's a, it's a positive no matter how you slice it. He's playing better, which is good if he's here long-term and he's playing better, which is good if the Kings look to move him. Totally been really encouraged by him. And Harrison Barnes, I guess, probably had the best night. But to me, what stood out, because again, this was Sacramento getting mathematically eliminated from the play-in tournament in this season. They're 29-50 and 50 right now, officially 50 losses, which is kind of sad to hear. But, you know, we obviously asked Harrison Barnes, Alvin Gentry, and Dante DiVincenzo about the drought. Shout out Jason Anderson, I thought did a good job of asking hard questions about that. And uh, this was actually, I want to play a clip from Harrison Barnes responding to it being now 16 years when he was asked by Jason. And I thought Barnes's answer was really interesting. So here's that clip. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's difficult. Um, but to me, you know, I think about stability, um, you know, since... I got to sack. I think it's just me and Fox. Those are the only two people in the entire organization that are still here. Um, and I've only, I mean, this is my fourth season being here, right? So when you look at, you know, obviously I can't speak to um, intimately over the years before I got here, but you know, since I've been here, it's, it's been a lot of, um, it's been a lot of up and down. It's been a lot of tough times. Um, it's been a lot of changing parts. Um, roster wise, coaching wise, or office wise. So I think moving forward, you know, in order to establish a culture where people do feel equity and do feel that um, the need to want to change that narrative as opposed to, you know, Sacramento simply just being a stop um, on the way either to another team or out the league, you know, we just have to, um, you know, embody that. And, you know, that's, those are conversations that, you know, we've we've had as a group. I think, like I said, you know, Fox and I, obviously we've been here the longest and we've, we've seen a little bit more. So, you know, more of that responsibility and, you know, burden has, you know, fallen on our shoulders. So we, you know, take responsibility for that. But 
moving forward, if we want to be better, um, you know, it starts with those type of frank conversations. Those frank conversations. When he said that last night, I, I don't know, whenever you hear your own name, you know, if they said to be Brendan, you'd be like, whoa, that's my name. Um, yeah, be a pretty weird one. No, I great. know what that meant. Great. That's a great soundbite from HP. And I, I really had to kind of sit back and think when he left the room about, man, they really have not had much of a solid core. Like they, they tried, they had a core, a quote unquote, a core, um, when they tried to have Fox and Bagley Barnes, um, in, in healed, like that was what they tried to kind of have as their core. And it just didn't work. And I had to think back to kind of like cores of the past and, and how in, unstable it was when, the Kings had a pretty decent core and they were showing some promise back when they had DeMarcus Cousins, Rudy Gay, Isaiah Thomas. That's kind of the last time I think they had like a legitimate core that they were going to try to build around. They traded Isaiah Thomas for, for a toilet wand to Phoenix. So it's, it's something that I thought about. And, and you look at the team that kind of was around when HB got here, it was, it was the scourger here. And I guess when HB got here, it was the, the death of the scourger here because Shumpert was out on um, the same day. Um, things are so much different and it's, it's kind of alarming to me when you look at all these teams around the league that have been building or are in the process of, of building, they, they have established those pieces and, or have had those pieces and that they're starting to thrive now. Um, and it's kind of, it's kind of a bummer to see. And he's right. It, it's, it's Sacramento is a stop for people. They, they pass through. Sometimes they get a check because the Kings are, are forced to overpay shout out George Hill. Um, and then they move on to the next stop. So it is something that needs to change. And that kind of starts at the top is with the front office and ownership. It does. Um, you know, I, I think I've definitely thought about the inconsistency that, and the turnover kind of from De'Aaron's point of view, but I kind of hadn't hit me that Harrison has been here almost as long. I guess De'Aaron has like a year and a half on him, mm-hmm. but first year Harrison was in Sacramento was 2018, 19. The second highest minute per game guy is Buddy Heald after Harrison Barnes. Third is De'Aaron. Fourth is Bogdan Bogdanovich. Fifth is Willie Cauley-Stein. And then you get Shumpert, Bagley, Bielitsa, Justin Jackson, Yogi Ferrell, Troy Williams. What a what that was. Yeah. Throwback. Yeah. Then nineteen twenty, the year after. You still have Buddy Heald. You still have Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, Willie Cauley-Stein is now gone. Nemanja Bialica is part of the team, and Rashawn Holmes kind of emerged. This is also the year that you added Trevor Ariza, Corey Joseph, and Dwayne Dedman. And I want to say, yes, also changed your coach in between those years. Went from um, Dave Yeager to Luke Walton. And the season after that, Bogdan Bogdanovich is now gone. And Tyrese Halliburton is around. And Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley kind of feel like they have one foot out the door at this point. And you also have a new GM this season as the primary change. And then you come into this year. Luke Walton's fired, what was it, 17 games into the season? Yeah. Tyrese Halliburton, who was probably the best player that De'Aaron and Harrison, uh, well, I guess Harrison outside of De'Aaron, um, Tyrese was probably the best player that those guys have played with. And he already gets swapped for Sabonis, which, you know, I, I think 
we still need time to kind of gauge that. I'm not trying to say that's horrible or anything. It's not quite where I'm at. But it's just speaking to how much turnover and the lack of stability. You know, like, yeah, just hearing Harrison say it of him and Fox are the only two people in the entire org who are still here. That's, yeah. And Sacramento being a stop. Like, I love the honesty, but it's a tricky situation because... Last season, it almost felt like the pitch of continuity is what kept Luke Walton around. And I don't think that was the right decision. And it, it's kind of clear that they don't either. It's a weird line, right? Because these coaches and general managers and players should not bear the weight of 16 years on their shoulders. You know, like when we ask Alvin, he's always like, I've only been here for two years. So I yeah, don't, the 14 many, years before, how old me. How old were some of these guys when the Kings were in the playoffs last time? It, it's it's not fair to – I feel awful that we have to even ask that because, I mean, even Justin Holiday, I think he's the oldest player on the Kings. He was probably in high school the last time the Kings ma- didn't make the – or made the playoffs. I Looking yeah. down the list, De'Aaron Fox was eight years old, nine years old. Um, I I just – it's it's unfair. Namish Kato was literally probably a year or two out of kindergarten. So it's not fair to ask these guys and put it on them like like they're responsible somewhat because it comes up back to the, to the top. It comes back to the people that are creating the roster, that are making these hirings. Um, it's it's really just ineptitude of of the front office. That's what it's been for the past sixteen years. And I, I was looking at the list, and it's hard to believe now that. We're we're now 16 years in, and seven of those years are are on the Maloof the Maloof ownership group. But nine seasons now under Vivek Ranadive, the Kings have not they have nothing to show for it a, a decade, and they have nothing to show for it. And that's hard. That's hard to to look at when you think about where things were when Vivek Ranadive stepped in, and how the Kings were on the verge of moving to Seattle. And I think we all remember that pretty well. I, I remember it very well. How how much hope that everyone was feeling. And, and now we have this beautiful arena. And I think I told you yesterday, and I, I put it on Twitter as well. I, I, I went to the concert the, the other night. And I, I said, I, I take, I've taken Golden One Center for granted. I, I think that we all would appreciate this building a lot more if, if there was winning basketball. And this is what happens when you lose like this. It, it makes you numb. It makes you disengaged. And it's, it's a bad time. It's, 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 if it wasn't rock bottom already, I mean, the longest playoff drought in the history of the NBA, which has been around for what, 80 years. Um, that's, that's pretty, pretty down there. And especially when you look at American sports, the Kings will probably be the owner of the longest playoff drought in American sports come training camp because the Seattle Mariners, who haven't made the playoffs since 2001, they have a good team this year. They have a really good team. And, MLB expanded their postseason to 12 teams. So the Kings are probably going to be the number one on that list. And that is just a, a really, really bad feeling. It's definitely a tough one. Um, I Like I was saying, the responsibility doesn't fall on players the whole 16 years, doesn't fall on players, on coaches, on management. But I think four kind of reasons you pointed out of, I mean, it being nine years now of Vivek, like that's the consistency. Um, and I guess. That's so, just, so there is consistency. That's I, uh, yes. You're consistently bad. I mean, you're <laughs> setting records. This is a record raking 
record-breaking team. Clearly, Frank. Chris Watkins <laughs> has a has a he pulls a lyric from J. Cole all the time. He, he likes to say it on the podcast on ours. He says, uh, "The good news is you came a long way. The bad news is you went the wrong way." <laughs> and yeah, the Kings are now very, very far into this thing. It's tough. I thought about this morning. My favorite video game of all time is NBA Live 2004, and it was the first video game I ever got. I was wow. I was I was nine, and it was a PlayStation Who's on the cover. Uh, Vince Carter on the Raptors, oh, and it was it was it was PlayStation Two. My my mom and dad got it me for Christmas. I was super excited, and this is uh, the 0304 season, right? So this is kind of the last year that uh, the Weber, Bibby, Vladi group was all together. They they ended up losing to the Timberwolves in seven games in the semifinals that year. But um, I thought about how much fun that game was and how great the Kings were in that game. And then I I thought about wow, it's two years later after two years after that, <laughs> that's when his playoff drought. 2006. That was it. I can't I think about how long ago that was and how how much we've all grown as people. I mean, you listening out there, I mean, however long you've been a Kings fan, uh, it's it's just incredible to think about. Like you see all these stories uh, about I think Carmichael Dave put it out. Um, what were you doing the last time the Kings in the playoffs? And so many people responded to that tweet saying, you know, I have two two daughters that are about to graduate college and and they were they were newborns and stuff like that or graduate high school and they were they were newborns and stuff like that it's it just it's crazy to think about how much has happened over the past 16 years i mean yeah it, it, it's it's just it's not the best thing to think about and be reminded of today but it's it's something that we have to kind of look back on and have a little perspective and just think about it. You know, um, the good news is we're still here. Knock on wood. So it's in <laughs> the goal next year is 100% to make the playoffs. Oh my no God. Two ways about it. Well, remember Brendan, we were, I think we talked about it in a, in a pod earlier this season, how this was the first year that they kind of mentioned that, uh, Monty and Luke, they said the word playoffs and that was the goal. Um, the P word, the P word, but then Monty kind of backpedaled on that after the Sabonis trade. I mean, which is kind of interesting. He kind of backpedaled on it. Of course, they were not really in a great spot when that happened. But yeah, I mean, I don't know how you could say anything other than we need to be a playoff team next season, one hundred percent. Because if they, if if Monty McNair of an incoming head coach say anything other than that this summer, that's kind of a red flag. Like, do you, don't you think if the Kings don't make it again next year, Monty's like one hundred percent out of a job? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I think that 100% that's the goal. And yeah, barring, you know, some ridiculous injuries to your top two guys, knock on wood. And he has some built in, I guess, excuse in that way. That's understandable. Um, yeah. Let, let mean, me ask you, let me ask you this then. I mean, do you have the roster in front of you? I do. Just kind of off of, you know, not to get too deep in like off season moves, whatever, I mean, whatever you want to do, but I'm just, I'm, who who do you want next year 100%? Like who are you looking at right now and saying I want them a part of this team next year as a as a the core we talked about and stability. Where who does it start with? I mean, do you have three or four players on off the top of your head that you say put him on the team next year? Like he needs to be a part of this. Yeah. Um I guess it, it's also a good time to like I want to say some people in response to the Barnes quote of me and Fox are the only guys that have been around. It's like, "Well, yeah, cuz they're part of the problem." Like, no, like, did, like, the amount of turnover that they've had to deal with, they've had no sense of stability outside of those two. Like, it's an environment that players are not able to thrive in. And I just think it's crazy to me to say that, like, Fox and HB are part of the problem. 
Um, That's ridiculous, by the way. That's just ridiculous that you can say those two players are the problem. Yeah. Um, There's a reason that despite all the turnover, the ridiculous turnover, turnover, that those two guys are still here, you know, because they are valued. Um, I'll then to answer your question, because it's definitely going to involve De'Aaron Fox. Harrison Barnes is that, but at the same time, I understand that he's the best trade asset that you have, like matchable high salary. So if he's moved in a big deal and you have to be bringing back a borderline like fringe all-star guy, he has to be out with a first round pick like you're getting a significant improvement. And even then, I'm going to be pretty skeptical with how depending on how you fill out the rest of the roster. So Barnes has an asterisk almost, but outside of them, like, I don't know who else I'm supposed to, De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis, for sure. After that, like I mentioned with Harrison's situation, like Davion falls under the same thing. I actually, yeah, I mean, I kind of think Harrison might have more value, but maybe that's just Mm me. Um, Dante DiVincenzo is a guy I would like back, but it's certainly not somebody I'm circling as like, oh, he has to be here. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely, yeah, for sure. And this is where that's, it gets difficult. Like, that's kind of it, though, right? I and mean, that's that's kind of yeah. And, and like, hopefully, whoever they trade Rashawn Holmes for. Yeah. But I, I feel the same way. I I I have those names: De'Aaron Fox, Harrison Barnes, Demontis Sabonis, um, Mitchell, and and DiVincenzo. And then, like you said. Barnes and Mitchell kind of had those those kind of asterisks or they're italicized because they, they are players that I would be open to in the right move, but it has to be the right move. And when you talk about a Harrison Barnes trade, I mean, HB is a guy who has brought, you talk about stability, he's brought stability to the King small four position, a, a, stability, a, a role that has been so unstable over the past 16 years since the playoff drought began, since since Paige Stajakovic and Ron Artest met a world peace. Um, left this team they have had a revolving door of of small forwards and rudy gay brought a little stability uh and, and harrison barnes are pretty much the only two i can really think of off the top of my head that have done a in a decent job since this this playoff drop began so it has to be someone that's going to be able to come in and fill that role and maybe they're looking at a wing that can score and 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 be better than what harrison barnes has brought maybe they're, they're looking at a power forward and they can kind of plug that small forward gap with, I don't know, I don't want to say someone like Mo Harkless, but a Mo Harkless type, a kind of a, a better version, a 3 and D guy who who could be cheap on the cheap end, or maybe they go try to get someone with the, with the mid-level this, this offseason and, and swing for the fences on a trade. But um, it, it's got to be some, some stability. And when I think about where to begin, it's the guys you have right now, and, and there's only a couple on the team. I mean, everybody else really – is I don't want to say expendable, but but they don't have to be locked in. Like a, last season, what offseason we came in with pretty much the same roster, right? I think we made one small move. It was Tristan Thompson, uh, Delon Wright. So mm-hmm. maybe a little more this offseason. Definitely has to be, and I think that it's an interesting conversation. Like I said earlier, of because to me also one of the improvements that could do you well is uh coaching and i think there's a handful of decent candidates out there this season and but the other side of it is if you believe that consistency is needed and again this idea of stability and think that you know alvin is just kind of dealt a bad hand with a poor roster like we've pointed out 
and a lot of guys in and out of the lineup since he's taken over for Luke really early in the season. I don't know. Um, I would look a different direction, I will say. I definitely enjoyed covering Alvin, but that's just probably where I'm at with this. And to clarify, I tweeted last night, and because the game was so bad that I'm not going to lie, I kind of got to a point where I just decided to troll uh, King's Twitter and said, feels like there's a decent chance. It definitely worked. It Right away, it was so funny. Um, I tweeted, feels like there's a decent chance that Sacramento's head coach next season is in the building tonight. This isn't me reporting anything. This is just me kind of looking at the odds. You know, there's four candidates in the building tonight. There's Kenny Atkinson on Golden State's bench. There's Mike Brown on Golden State's bench. There's Alvin Gentry, who could be the head coach next season. Um, And there's Doug Christie. So this is just me playing the odds. Like, I feel like there's a decent chance when you have four candidates in one place, you know, not reporting anything. I, I just, there's going to be a, pl- a plenty of candidates. I, I hope, I hope there is a coaching search, but I just have a feeling in the pit of my stomach. And I'm not saying it's necessarily the, the, the wrong move or the right move, even though I'm, I'm very much kind of on the side of the fence. It's a wrong move um, that Doug Christie is going to be either a finalist or the head coach. I just really think I really have that feeling. I mean, it just seems like it's inevitable with, how ownership has viewed these moves before they really love looking back at those early 2000s teams. And there's a lot of nostalgia there. Um, When Luke was, I mean, yeah, when Luke was fired, it was reported that Vivek wanted Christy. I feel like that he, I think, I don't know. I mean, it's not a report at all. I I feel like Doug might've had the opportunity. No, I, I feel like he kind of said it wasn't really into it. And then even Alvin was kind of like, I don't want to do it either. Cause he was hesitant as well to take the interim position as well. So I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm wondering what is going to happen with that. I would love a widespread coaching search and I would love someone to come in who is established and who is a NBA ready head coach. That's not a knock on Doug. I would love Doug to stick around and keep growing. Because I do think he he brings a great, great welcome environment to the Kings locker room and, and to the coaching staff as far as being a guy who's been a player in the league and one of the best defenders in the league. But I just think the Kings need to kind of look uh, look look around for a bit. They've had a coaching search in about a decade, so it, it, it's oh, time. God. So it's been. A, I I don't think they had one for Dave Yeager. They hired him immediately when he became free. Didn't they didn't have a coaching search for Luke Walton? They brought him in immediately. Um, George Carl, they brought him in immediately. It's just, it's yeah. They hired Mike Malone before they even had a GM, and then they fired him in probably the dumbest move they've made over the past. Well, that or the the number two draft pick, I would say, are probably the two worst moves the team's made. So, um, yeah. And I mean, I wasn't here for the Malone thing. I wasn't paying as close attention to the team as I am now, obviously. But, like, I can't help but think that Vivek's coach that he hires and then ends up letting go, but the decision that he made to hire Malone worked and that somebody would hold on to that, be like, be able to point to that and be like, see, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. It's but just who knows? It's soil, a tough situation. Soiled it, you know, just yeah. soiled it. So it's um, 
so many bad things I'm thinking of right now over the last 16 years. I just the Mike Malone thing. Just thinking back to seeing him get that extension and and seeing after the uh, I can't what I don't know if it was a win or a milestone or or what, but um, seeing all those guys in the locker room at Golden One Center. I think it was the Joker. Did you see that video where he said like we're so glad he's with us now? Like, they're they're just. They gave him the game ball after they beat the Kings. Yeah, three hundred wins. I want to say. Yeah, yeah, that was just a total knife twist. So, fun stuff. Fun stuff. Very, very fun stuff. Um, is there any fun stuff in these last three games? That was a question. That was what we were talking about before we started recording. And I, I don't know, man. I mean, we we finally. It seems like we're going to get our Namish Kata minutes. We're going to get that. So that's something to watch for, I suppose. I don't know what else to really watch for. I mean, Davion finishing strong his rookie season. Um, I would love to see Dante DiVincenzo start next to Davion, even though that doesn't really matter at this point in the season, I understand. But really, it, it's just looking at Namiya Shikata. All eyes are on him. There is going to be, and even I guess Damian Jones, he is going to be a free agent this, this summer. And he's. I think he's really been been trying to raise his stock these past couple of weeks. And I think he's done a good job of that. I mean, his numbers on the season now are up to 7.6 points, four and a half boards, 65% from the field, 32 from three, 73 from the line. And he's going to finish playing about 55, 56 games. So that's pretty good. That's pretty good for a backup center. I think he's going to get a lot of looks this summer. And um, I'm not sure what the Kings are planning on doing at their backup center position. And I think Namish Keda will have some chances to, to prove himself in in these final games and in summer league which seems like summer league by the way is going to be at chase center in a change of change of things going to be at chase center instead of golden one i know we're gonna have to we're gonna have to find some lodging in the san francisco area because we got to see some summer league man but what about you brennan anything you're keeping your paths to for these future three games no it's to me ishkeda like (laughs) i wish we saw him earlier and um, no, I'm trying to think of anybody else. That's not not really. That's it's a tough it. question. Um, and I feel I feel like I didn't say enough. You know, we cover the team, so it's we should have more things to. No, I mean they're they're out of the playoff race. They are bad. I think that there's something to watch for as far as the standings go. I think that they, the Lakers somehow can catch them though in in the lottery. Am I wrong on that? I think if the Kings lose or if the Kings win the next two or three, and the Lakers lose the next two or three, they can catch. They can catch them, right? Yeah, because the Lakers are two and a half games, if you want to say, behind the Then it goes to New Orleans. Yes. That Uh, sucks, man. And technically, the Kings are a game and a half behind six, Portland. But Portland is going to lose every single game for the rest of the year. They've lost seven in a row. Um, They do have one game. I think we're looking at it right next one's against OKC. And then after that, Mm -hmm. it's like unless people are sitting guys um, because they're seating in the postseason is locked in their opponent or something, but Portland's going to lose out pretty much. It's going to be tough for Sacramento to catch up a game and a half. They're pretty close to locked into that seven spot. Another year in the middle or another year in the middle of the lottery, right? at seven last year. It was nine a year before that it was 12. And I don't know. I, I, I do think seven has had a good chance of, has a good chance of falling, which is, which is really neat. Uh, but I do remember, and we pulled it up last night, that the Kings were seven when they jumped to number two in 2018. So maybe yeah. lightning will strike twice and we won't make the wrong move this time. 
hopefully um, seven seed odds. You have a 19.7% chance of staying in that seven spot and a 34.1% chance of dropping to eighth, which would be the highest odds of that pick and a 12.9% chance of dropping to nine. So not the most promising. You also have a 7.5% chance of getting the first overall pick. So if you want to hold on to, if you want to be an optimist, then there you go. 32% chance of being top four, 7.5% chance of jumping to number one. But that's probably where my focus is going to turn to at this point. And we're recording this on the day of the final, uh, the final NCAA championship game. Yeah. Yeah. I gave, I asked HB on his way out the door. Because at some point in the middle of the game yesterday when we are watching Josh Jackson, I'm like, oh, they actually have a Kansas guy also. They have a Kansas <laughs> and UNC guy. Um, and I asked HB if he had given Josh Jackson any bets or anything like this. And HB kind of jokingly said, um, whatever he wants to give me because we're winning the game. I am um, looking at the, the mock draft. I just simmed it. Hey, number three pick. Kings jump to three. Paulo Bancaro, how you feeling about that? Paulo's a weird one to me, man. Um, I would shop the pick around, and that conversation all just depends on, obviously, what you'd be able to get back. I don't know, because there's moments where he's just really good out there. I, I think it's just Chet and Jabari are kind of seamless fits to me. Paulo, I have some reservations. Questions. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I don't know. If the Kings were to jump to the top three again, I don't know how I'd – I mean, again, I don't want to hold it against any player because of what, where they went to school. But um, it would be kind of crazy if the Kings do jump again and they do pick another Duke power forward. It's just going to be really funny. Um, not funny. Like, it, maybe it'll work out, but it just would be like, wow, did they not learn last time? Um, That's always so funny to me when people connect like that. Like, oh, we're taking another Duke guy or – I don't want Frank Vogel because I don't want Lakers, another Laker guy. Yeah, well, it's just by association. I mean, the Kings did, they struck out on Thomas Robinson from Kansas and then Ben McLemore mm -hmm. from Kansas, so it's kind of... Or people didn't want Franz because of Nick Stauskas. Nick, exactly, exactly. So it's just people like to kind of associate things with what feels familiar, and that's fine. But there's a lot of good players that have come out of Duke as well, like Jason Tatum and Brandon Ingram over the past couple of years. Um, Tyus Jones has been great for Memphis. So yeah, there's, there's, there's some different scenarios here, but um, yeah. So yeah, I guess if the Kings stay at seven, are you holding on to the pick? Or are you trying to move it or are you trying to move it regardless? Um, I think unless for some reason, wherever you're picking, you'd have to jump in the top four, surely um, Chet or Jabari, or even if you want to say Paulo is on the board, but for me, Chet and Jabari, if those guys are there, then, I'm picking it at barring like getting some crazy return, but I'm pretty confident I'm taking that pick. And then after that, I'm trying pretty hard to shop it, I think is where I'm at. There's some guys that I, I wouldn't mind. Like I wouldn't mind Paulo. I'm souring a little bit on AJ Griffin, not to the point where I don't like him, but I, I think that I, I don't, I'm, skeptical on Sacramento taking him but AJ Griffin's a guy that's there Benedict Matherin Keegan Murray like there's other guys that I like and I would be fine with picking a seven but I think that I'm more likely than not shopping it because you have a lot of ground to make up next season if you're making the playoffs yeah they need, they need a player with a little more 
not a knock on AJ Griffin. I, I like his game a lot, but they need someone with star potential. They need someone that can really be, I mean, like a scoring wing. I mean, you look at, you look at Keegan Murray, he's high on my list. You look at Jabari, I mean, Jabari Smith would be ideal on my end, uh, but I just don't know if they're going to end up there because of the fact that the Kings just started winning over the past couple of weeks. So, yeah. You said the seven odds lock in the two pick. The seven odds could lock in the two pick. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. The lottery is always so funny just because I've watched it every year for, what, 15, 16 years almost like since I was a kid. And you look for that logo that's not yours, and we saw it one time, and it was the Chicago Bulls logo they jumped to. And and mm-hmm. like how you felt when – how I was talking about when the Kings stayed, it felt the same way. Like, oh, my God, we finally got our chance. Here we go. And it's yeah. – here we are. Marvin, Bag- you- hey, Marvin Bagley, though, star for the Pistons, right? <laughs> star. Absolute star. I mean, Trey Lyles might be outplaying him. Um, oh, I don't know if that's dude, actually true. I just don't. It just frustrates me when people. Obviously, they did not watch any Sacramento Kings basketball this year because when a guy comes in like Marvin and puts up what fifteen and six, he was averaging for them, I believe. Okay, I'm sorry, fourteen and seven. Which guess what, Brendan? Over four <laughs> years of the Kings, you know what Marvin Bagley averaged? Jeez, fourteen, 14 and, and seven. seven. Or every single season. So just say you weren't watching the Kings games. Like he was yeah. shooting, he's shooting better 55%, but well, it's, it's easy to look at him and be like, Oh my God, I can see it. I see the potential, but it what, never, what yeah. do you see? What are you seeing? You're saying you're Martin like, well, if played. these, if these moments stop happening and only these good ones, it's like, well, <laughs> hey, yeah. break it to you. Yeah. Put him on, put him on defense for the final six minutes of a tie game. And let's see how you're feeling. It just yeah. Let it let things play out, Detroit, before you start saying the Kings are idiots for trading him for Dante Divincenzo in a trade that got them back. Dante Divincenzo, by the way, yeah. You know, and Josh you- Jackson and Trey Lyles. I mean, we could sit here and talk about how Josh Jackson has been promising these last two games, but yeah. I don't see any point in doing that. No, I mean he'll he'll get a job somewhere. It won't be it won't be here, but he'll get a job somewhere. I think right. Uh, Josh Jackson. Yeah. yeah, I mean, worst case overseas, but yeah, yeah. Um, any other, <laughs> any other final basketball thoughts before I take us to a different direction? No, please. What direction are you thinking? Well, there was a tragedy in downtown Sacramento um, mm. the night before the game or actually the morning of, uh, about 2 a.m., get uh, that game where the Kings just played on, what is it, su- Sunday. Sunday. Um, six people killed and 12 others shot. I mean, just crazy when you first hear about it. It's so close to an area that we're just at all the time. I mean, walking around after games even, and I'm sure just so many people from the area, like it's just in the heart of downtown and for that to happen and just knowing people's lives were taken and everyone that that affects, it's just, it's a definitely a tough thing to hear about. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it's very jarring, uh, shocking. And also sadly, um, not shocking in as far as when you hear about these things all the time and, and we've heard about them and for years now, uh, mass shootings, uh, th- these these tragedies that happen all over the country, and you you 
you never really think about it happening in your backyard where, where you live. And it's happened twice here now in Sacramento over, over the past couple of months. And it, it's horrifying, man. It's horrifying. And, and I was out there that night. I was out there. I went to the concert, the Tyler the creator concert. And, and I was my sister and my girlfriend. And, um, we were on K street that, that evening and, and we were making comments to each other about how it was just packed and it was, it was lively and it was fun. It was a really fun atmosphere. And it's it just, it's so sad that someone out there who I, I, I can't even imagine what is going through their mind when they do something like that figures that that is, that is the correct way to deal with the, the mental turmoil they're going through, the anguish, the frustrations, they decide to take it out on other people who are innocent. It's self, it's selfless, stupid, um, selfish and stupid. And it's, I've been doing a lot of reflecting the past day or so just about, about that very thing. And, and we walked into the arena yesterday and you can see down there on K street, the, the, the police tape was still up and the coroner's van was coming through. Um, it's just a really horrifying time to, to be in a, here in America. I mean, you, it's just sad that we, you can't go anywhere and feel 100% safe and secure. Um, it's something that I don't really think has happened in ever here. It's just, it's happening everywhere. And the fact that it's happened here in the Sacramento community twice over the past month, um, it's again, I just, it's horrifying. There's no other way to put it that it's absolutely horrifying and, and gut wrenching. And my thoughts and, and condolences go out to everyone that was affected or anyone that was out there that, that had to witness these horrible things. And, um, you know, we all just need to be strong. Yeah, absolutely. want to echo the same of, thoughts with anybody who was affected any children family um brother sister husband wife um just a definite tragedy that was um talked about by everybody there yesterday and um very well-spoken and kind words from harrison and alvin and in dante as well um so just a tough situation all around and like you said just thoughts with everybody affected by that um i think that's gonna do it frank tough ending but no no reality it's it's sad it's really sad that it has you know the the, it's just the world we live in man it's there's a lot of bad things going on and and you know basketball and and entertainment it's a distraction but you know at the end of the day it's important that everyone kind of looks back and just you know be be thankful for what you have and, and and who you have in, in your lives. And, um, you know, it's just, this is a reminder, you know, life is fleeting. It's, it's, uh, it's very fragile, very, very fragile. So love, you know, hug and kiss your, your loved ones and, and, and your pets and just be very thankful for each day, you know, not to be all, all deep and, and, you know, philosophical. I don't know. It's just, I, I feel Absolutely. very lucky to, to be where I am be and be healthy alive. Just everyone should just be, be thankful, be thankful. You never know. Absolutely. And going to keep doing this. Um, you know, the way that I've thought about it over the last couple of months of doing this is kind of the, I guess, trying to identify like a why behind it, a purpose, I guess you could say, which I guess I'm getting philosophical here too. And it's that I always, there were two things for me, sports and music that were always just like an escape from reality. Um, and nice to be able to have that. And I feel like this is me kind of getting to provide the escape that I used to be mm-hmm. able to go to. Um, so 
definitely gonna keep going through with with all of this and uh you know um yeah so i'm sure there's going to be writing up at the king's herald from myself and all the other great gals and guys there um i actually think i somehow did not mention return of the roar podcast hey yeah Frankie yeah and chris's podcast yeah man we'll, we'll be getting together a lot of things this this uh off season K- kp and return of the roar we'll, we'll be collabing a lot kind of tackling this off season together you could say i guess we'll, we'll, we'll you know it's, it's it's better to talk about the draft and free agency with with a larger group i love getting other perspectives and and you know yeah. you and i jump on on the, those panels with matt george too and i'm sure we'll have some of those coming up as well because there's again we're entering a time with a lot of questions and decision making and that's kind of a fun part of it's actually the, the most fun part of a king's season is the off season so <laughs> talking about hypotheticals and stuff like that that is our escape hypothetically from... they could be good next year that's like the fun part right there. that's how we get out of the playoff drought mindset stuff <laughs> oh well, maybe they'll swing a trade for yeah. i don't know donovan John... mitchell donovan is coming mitchell. to the kings <laughs> yeah, maybe they're gonna trade for rudy go i don't know there's gonna be all these stupid things we're gonna talk about so um yeah man i, I appreciate you having me on it's it's always fun to come on here and and uh look back on on the you know the things we witness as seat buddies at the Kings games. And I'm sad we only have one left. We're going to miss those golden one center cookies, but, um, <laughs> and now we don't even get to come back for summer for the California classic. So I'm very sad about, I'm going to be, we're going to judge the hell out of their cookies. Yeah. Five, six months without cookies. Like, how am I going to survive? Like, the Golden One Center, I don't know. Yeah, we're going to judge. You're right. What, we're gonna... One day, actually, the offseason, we need to have, like, stories, like, explaining the uh, undergrounds of Golden One that we go about. Because these cookies are so funny of everybody like, when I first was there. It's like, oh, you got to try a cookie. You got to try a cookie. I'm like, yeah, like yeah, these, are, these are good. Yeah, but to watch people from other teams come into town and everybody be like oh you have to try a cookie you have to try a cookie and everybody right responds with oh this is actually really good like i see well, every day there's a jokes being made about the cookies like we they sat have down to bake batches on batches of those cookies right and we sat down last night and the press room was pretty empty and we we sat down i'm like wow full tray of cookies we probably should grab one just in case because there's what when we went in there there wasn't that many people and sure enough I, I don't even want to exaggerate. Seven to ten minutes later, the cookies were all gone. People just coming through, combing through them, taking them, getting out. Like people well, Frank, you went, them. you went downstairs maybe two minutes before half ended mm-hmm. um, and came back with a cookie. And I went downstairs a little after it ended, and there were zero cookies left. What? It got cleaned out that quick? Yeah. You left right when the half the half when halftime started? Yeah, there was none. There was a full tray of cookies down there when I went down there. <laughs> That's that's the that's the key, man. And I'm, I'm gonna do that again tomorrow. I'm gonna make sure I get my cookie fixed before you know there's no more. I might even have to slip the the cooks down there like some some dough, and, no pun intended, and get some extra cookies, <laughs> extra cookies for the summer. But that's a great pun. Thank you, thank you. you no, know, I'm getting getting into some dad jokes here. In my yeah. late twenties. All right, Franklin. All right. Okay. Well, there's that. <laughs> All Brandon. Right. I know. Yeah. Okay, for Frankie Cardicelli, at F Cardicelli 3, and myself, Brendan Nunes, and like I said, all the great guys and gals at the King's Herald, definitely check out all the work there. Um, if you enjoyed this episode of the King's Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review, and you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days.